Right, are we we good to go, guys? Yeah, let's go for it. Hello and welcome to the Politics Home podcast, hosted this week by me, Matt Foster. I'm delighted to be joined on the pod, as ever, by my editor, Kevin Schofield. Hello, Kevin. Hello there, Matt. <laughs> and uh, joining us again is our reporter, Anahita Hussain-Poor, who has been kind of easing herself into uh, life at Paul Home by going through about 57 news cycles in the space of a few days. Good to have you here, Anahita. How are you yes, doing? Yes, Hello. Um, we are getting pretty used to unprecedented weeks here uh, in Westminster, but this one really has taken the biscuit. After years of insisting the UK will leave the EU on March 29th, Theresa May has now been forced to go to Brussels and ask for an extension to Article 50. But she's caused outrage among MPs back home by taking to the uh, Downing Street podium and blaming them for the hold-up. And that's not the only row brewing for the Prime Minister, with the EU making it pretty clear her bid for a June 30th extension is not going to fly, saying they'll only allow a short delay if MPs swing behind her deal. It already seems like a lifetime ago now, but all this was sparked by a bombshell intervention from Common Speaker John Burko, who partied like it was 1604 and threatened (laughs) to block a third vote on the PM's agreement. So, Kevin, it's been... uh, a busy week. It has been, yeah. yeah. It, it began with talk of a meaningful vote three, and um, it seems crazy now, but uh, the government doing its best to try and get the DUP and Tories on side. How have we got, in the space of a few days, uh, from there to the Prime Minister informing the nation that she's now going to try and delay Brexit? Yeah, so we should probably scroll back to last Friday when there were um, pretty intense discussions between... Downing Street, uh, senior cabinet figures with the DUP, and the chatter then, or the um, the briefing that we were getting, was that the DUP were on the verge of backing the deal. There was a lot of speculation that they could be bunged a few more quid um, in order to, to to sweeten the deal, as far as they're concerned. Um, and the belief was basically, you get the DUP, they'll bring with them a load of Tory Eurosceptics. And then that would probably give cover for quite a few Labour MPs to vote for the deal because if it looks like it's a bit going to pass, then Labour MPs are more likely to, to back it. So that was what it said in Saturday's papers. I saw a few of them saying, oh, the, the DUP set to sign up. Then it all went very quiet. Then on Monday we got to basically crunch point almost and um, still no sign of the DUP signing up. Obviously, number 10 started to get pretty nervous. And the Prime Minister said, right, well, look, here's the deal. Either um, we look like we're going to pass it by Tuesday night, um, which would have meant them putting down a motion to be debated and voted on Wednesday, or we're not, we're not going to have it. So what they were saying is basically, we're, we're not going to have the vote, we're just going to lose it again uh, for, for the third time. So that basically meant that they weren't going to have it. It quickly became clear that they weren't going to get the DUP on board, but then... Mr. Berko intervened anyway. So, so what did he say, and why was that so uh, so incendiary? So, yeah, I, uh, what day was that again? Was that oh, Monday? Tuesday. Ago, I, think. Uh, <laughs> it was... I think it was Monday. Was it Monday? Yes. Because oh, it set the week off at a very gentle well, pace. Yeah. yeah, gentle pace. Exactly. So, word came through at about two o'clock. It would have been on Monday afternoon that, that um, the speaker was going to make a statement in the house at three thirty. 
and everyone's like, oh my God, what, what is this going to be? And there's, a, there's been a bit of speculation that he could intervene and say, look, you can't bring back, there's, there's a rule which says you can't bring back the same proposition to Parliament if it's already been rejected in the same parliamentary session. Um, so he got up and, yeah, I mean, he, he dropped an absolute hammer on top of Theresa May's head, basically, by saying, um, well, unless it's unless the motion you bring back on the third meaningful vote is substantially different from what was voted down last week, then I won't allow it. So that absolutely completely put the kibosh on any chance of a meaningful vote this week because at that stage there was just nothing different about the deal, about um, about the Brexit deal that uh, they could have presented to, to Parliament. So he basically said, well, look, unless you come back with something that looks very, very different from last week, I won't allow it. So that, um, that completely cut her off at, at the knees. And Heather, how's that gone down with uh, the government? Well, as you can imagine, they are delighted. Um, <laughs> no, they they definitely caused a lot of backlash um, from what he said. He, the government basically said that he'd sunk sunk any of their chances of putting through a, a meaningful vote to Parliament uh, to the Commons uh, at the beginning of next week, last week, last week. This week. <laughs> I don't, um, know, I, I don't even know what I don't even know what day of the week it is anymore. <laughs> Of what um, year it is, really? Yeah, so they, I think they, they were planning to bring it back. They, I think they were kind of eagerly trying to pull people on side, thought that they would be able to do it, and then, like you said, it was just an absolute bombshell, which I think Burko definitely prepared for with his very jazzy tie <laughs> that he was wearing. I think he was quite looking forward to it. I it was almost like, as if he enjoys... The limelight. He definitely. You know? That's out and out. If you're being, if you're being a cynic, <laughs> you would say that he uh, made sure that he thoroughly enjoyed his uh, moment in the sun. But um, yeah, one one government minister, Rory Stewart, uh, kind of tweeted out something that basically called John Burke Humpty Dumpty, which uh, yeah. That's where uh, we're at at the moment. <laughs> that's, that's where we're at. He's been called worse. He's been called far worse <laughs> lately. Anyway. I, so, I, enjoyed that one, I, mean, I mean, Kevin, obviously, you know, it's not the first time that, that John Burko's clashed with ministers. No. They, they, particularly, you know, him and Andrea Leadsom, the, the Commons leader, have an yeah. ongoing feud. They hate one another. I, yeah. Is there any substance to the claim from some Brexiteers and, and um, you know, even kind of moderate Tory MPs that he's just a bit of a closet remainer trying to do his best to thwart Brexit? I mean, he's not really in the closet. I mean, he has said he has said openly that he voted Remain mm. and he wished mm. that the result had been Remain. But he would insist that he referees, which is his job, he referees Parliament in an impartial manner. But he does take a pretty, um, I would say, subjective approach to the rules. I mean, you mentioned that he uh, drew on a convention from 1604 in order to say, I won't allow Meaningful Vote 3... But previously, um, he'd said that you know convention is there to be broken. It's a guide. It doesn't mean it's written in stone, you know. So he seems to revel, certainly, in making life uncomfortable for the government. And a lot of it does stem, I think, from the animus between him and, and Andrea Leadsom, the House of Commons leader, who really do not get on. Um- I wonder if you could maybe talk our, our listeners through why exactly Burko's intervention made the the delay inevitable because you know there's, there's obviously a bit of a leap from him making that intervention to 
having to request an extension to to Article 50? Yeah, um, I mean, I can. I'm just checking my phone here. I got a, a text message from a senior government figure just to say, look, what does this all mean? You know, I mean, are we going to get the vote this week? And what they were saying is, look, it was likely to be Wednesday this week. They wanted to have it mm-hmm. either Tuesday or Wednesday. More likely Wednesday have the vote. Um, but they basically said that he had sunk that with his, quote, antics. Um, the uncertainty over when the vote will take place also makes it far harder to get MPs over the line because, basically, if without that threat of a no deal of um, a third meaningful vote, if it may not happen, it makes it much more difficult to um, persuade MPs who have been holding out thus far against backing the deal from finally supporting it. So it was... A deeply, deeply unhelpful intervention by by the speaker, and he knew exactly what he was doing when he when he got up to do it. I mean, he's, he's not um, dispassionate here. You know, he wasn't just being um, someone who's just saying, well, like these 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 are the rules. It's up to you how you interpret my ruling. However, this is my ruling. He knew because he's not a daft man. Mm. He knew exactly how his words or what effect his words would have, and yet. Yeah, uh, all too predictably, uh, number ten went in there a bit of a, a bit of a tailspin, and they've really not not come out of it since. Um, and and he, so were there kind of any signs before Burko made this big intervention that the MPs really were going to drop their opposition to May's deal and and get behind her in a, in a meaning a third meaningful vote, or is there a sense in which which this is actually quite convenient for for number ten? Do you think? I think they were trying to be a bit more optimistic that their time's the charm mm. and there were there was a bit of movement for example um, I think Jacob Rees-Mogg said that if um, the DUP did back it then he would as well and so that could have swayed other ERG members to maybe kind of join that line which would, def- would definitely have helped the Prime Minister but um, but whether that was going to happen obviously I think as you kind of said Kevin the DUP weren't really going to, to no. be dropping it like that. So. I, I got the impression that the wind had kind of gone out the sails. I mean, I spoke to one or two Tory MPs over the weekend, um, Eurosceptics, just to kind of test their mood, and they were saying exactly the same thing. You know, it all hinges on the DUP. I think a lot of them are looking for an excuse to vote for the deal because they don't really want to be blamed if it's a no-deal Brexit and the predictions of economic catastrophe come true. You know, So they don't want that on their hands, basically. But, you know, without the DUP saying they'll back it, um, they just couldn't couldn't do it. And, um, you know, hark back to an interview that Nigel Dodds gave to the House magazine, her sister title, last week, in which he said, you know, we will not waver from our red lines, which is why I couldn't understand all the briefing and papers were buying it, that all the DUP were about to fold and come on board... You know, all I mean, they've been consistent all the way along the line that they will not countenance anything which, to their mind, basically creates a border down the Irish Sea. And as things stand at the moment, the deal they believe does that. So without changes, they won't back it. And they've been, as I say, very, very consistent. So the request for an extension came in the form of a letter to Donald Tusk, the, the European Council president from Theresa May yesterday. Um, what has she asked for and what's the kind of thinking in number 10 behind the behind the, that request? Well, she, yeah, so she's, she's asked for a three-month um, extension to Article 50, so 
basically moving back Brexit Day to the 30th of June instead of the 29th of March. And basically what this letter boiled down to her was her saying, I need more time to get this deal through. I'm not there yet. Give me more time. Um, remove the 29th of March deadline. Uh, I'll get the deal passed. Doesn't say how, but I'll get the deal passed. And then that one gives me a bit more time as well to get the necessary legislation through which will allow us to leave properly on the 30th of June instead of the 29th of March. And Anahita, how's that been received by EU leaders so far? Obviously, the, the Prime Minister is in Brussels as we record this podcast, so this section could immediately become out of date, which is, is great. Yes, um, but, um, I can say anything and it doesn't matter. Absolutely. <laughs> take, take a while, guess. But kind of how, how's it gone down so far? What are the early, early signs of how this request has been, been received? Well, I did notice just before we came in here, actually, that um, Angela Merkel had mm. arrived and she said that they wanted to do anything up to the last minute to ensure an orderly exit. So obviously that's quite positive um, for Theresa May. But um, earlier in the week, we did have um, Macron in France, basically, um, not willing to to push the boat out to save save uh, you know his his lovely colleagues across across <laughs> the channel, um, um, the Irish PM as well. Um, on a slightly softer tone, has has said maybe we should, should cut us a bit of slack without though um reopening the withdrawal agreement or any changes to be made to the backstop so i think really there's not going to be any um get out of jail free cards well macron as well at the summit at the european council has just come out before we started recording this has come out and said no if you don't pass it next week the meaningful vote then we're heading for no deal Mm. without um major what he described as political changes you'd get a longer extension if there are major political changes now what that means potentially a general election they'll give us time for that they'll give us time for a second referendum or maybe they'll give us a longer extension if it looks like parliament basically takes control of the process takes it away from the prime minister and agrees another form of brexit which would inevitably be a softer form of brexit something like a kind of norway style Customs Union um, in the Customs Union permanently, maybe even in the single market, you know, so in the EU but not in the EU, if you see what I mean. So uh, all of these things basically are scenarios that Theresa May has said she will not countenance. I think that would then precipitate her leaving number 10. I mean, that's, um, I mean, I couldn't sit here right now and say she'll definitely be Prime Minister this time next week. Wow. So the, the, the June 30th date as well that, that number 10, or that, that Theresa May's requested, seems to be very much on the kind of British wish list rather than something the EU's willing to concede to? Yeah, so what they're saying, what, the other complicating factor here is that there's supposed to be the European elections take place mm. uh, around about the 23rd of May. Now, if you're an EU member, you're supposed to take part in the EU elections. Um, the UK argues, oh, well, look... If we're leaving on the 30th of June, it seems a bit daft to make us go through a European election a month earlier. So can you not, you know, twist the rules a little bit and make sure that we don't have to take part in the European elections? What also makes it even more complicated, if you're following all this, is that April the 11th, which is only, what, two or three weeks away, um, is the cut-off point in law where the UK government has to say... Um, whether 
Britain will take part in the European elections or not. That is set in stone. So you've got 11th of April. If the 11th of April comes and goes and we have not, or the government has not um, said the European elections are taking place, then we're not taking part in the European elections. So then what happens? No one knows. Does that mean that we just kind of fall out of the EU by default? Are we held to have broken European laws? Um, the whole thing is just, just completely... Um, surrounded by confusion and chaos, um, even before you even get to whether they'll be a, allow us to have an extension to the 30th of June. So that decision won't even be taken at this summit that's taking place now. They're now talking about an emergency EU Council meeting next Thursday, which is the day before we're supposed to leave, the day before the 29th of March. Gosh. I mean, and no one knows. We're sitting here eight days out from what's supposed to be Brexit Day, and no one knows if we'll be leaving that day, um, whether we'll be well, if we do leave, it'll be without a deal, or whether the ex, the um, Article Fifty process will have been extended to the thirtieth of June, whether Parliament will have stepped in and extended it to or requested an extension till the end of the year, whether we'll be on the road to a general election, whether we'll be on the road to a second referendum. I mean, it is it is impossible to overstate how chaotic the situation is right now. It's absolutely it's, bonkers. It's like one of those things you almost think in your mind it's like one of those James Bond films and you know the building's about to blow up in about 10 seconds or what a minute and then let's say James Bond is now Theresa May just running around everywhere trying to stop this bomb at the very last second it just just kind of feels like this weird bomb countdown that's yeah the world's worst ever James Bond yeah the (laughs) unsexy James Bond film ever yeah she's like George Lazenby but worse (laughs) um and Anahita, are we are we still? I mean, it, it does look like we're potentially going to get a third meaningful vote, despite this row with with John Burko. And um, you know, EU leaders have made clear that they won't go for an extension unless MPs do back her deal in a in a meaningful vote. So, are we going to get that third bite of the cherry? It does seem like it might just have to, because we need a decision out of it either way or otherwise. Um, you know, there's kind of the suggestion now that maybe Theresa May is edging towards no deal as a preference because obviously she's starting to... Well, we don't know. It's going to depend a bit on what comes out of this whole extension if we get one. Um, but I think it's quite likely it's going to come back at some point next week. I think um, probably Tuesday or Wednesday, I think, they're looking at. Tuesday Wednesday. Because the thing is as well, just to add even more confusion, um, at the moment... It is written into UK law that we leave the EU on the 29th of March. So in order for that not to happen, there needs to be a change. There needs to be what's known as a statutory instrument, an SI. So there needs to, which is like a minor tweak to existing legislation, which would involve a vote in the House. So there needs to be a vote to change the 29th of March, to basically remove it and change it to another date. How on earth are they going to... I mean, there's no guarantee that 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 would pass. Um, It probably would but you don't know for certain. So if they were to vote down the meaningful the deal next Tuesday, for instance, as I think they probably will, then the next day, uh, next Wednesday probably, bearing in mind that's two days before we're supposed to leave the Gosh, EU, yeah. there would need to be a vote on possibly extending um, uh, the Article 50 process to another date. That could be the point at which Parliament has a series of indicative votes, which the, which the government is completely against, but Parliament could 
take control of the process somehow, I'm not entirely sure how, <laughs> in which they could hold a series of votes on things like Norway, second referendum, uh, to find out what could possibly command a majority in the House. And assuming something does, then we could then go to Brussels and say, right, give us an extension to the end of the year, and that would involve having to take part in European elections. That would definitely have to happen then. But in return, we will pass a soft Brexit deal. Um, so that's the calculation that the hard Brexiteers have got to weigh up. You know, Do they want to risk that by going all out for a no-deal Brexit, which in the end may well not happen? All of this sounds incredibly complicated and, and actually quite... Um quite divisive. So, um, and Anahita, the, the Prime Minister made a bid to uh, heal the nation's wounds oh, yes. last night with a statement in, in Downing Street. W- what did she say to uh, just uh, calm everything down a little bit? Obviously, she came out, can I just say, late, delayed, over 15 minutes, I was... Just in, in keeping with counting. the theme of the week. Exactly, but she, she basically came out and, and spoke to, to people, I think, rather than MPs mm. uh, and, and journalists saying, I'm on your side, uh, that she wants to just get on with it like I'm sure you do, um, and, and, and basically was, was calling on, on MPs to, to just get on with it and, and do the deal, and it's kind of blaming them mm. for, um, for why, why we're in such deadlock. So she said things like, do they want to leave uh, the EU with a deal, do they want to leave without a deal, or do they want to leave at all? And kind of saying, if that is the case, then it will cause irreparable damage. So kind of just like all, all placing it on them, really. Um, all MPs have been willing to say is what they don't want. Um, yeah, it, it's it's just you want us to get on with it, and that's what she wants to. It's just so she's yeah. she's kind of very much gone on the offensive and and kind of pointed the finger back out at, at Parliament <laughs> for this with the emphasis on offensive. <laughs> How? Uh, has that gone down with um, MPs, Kevin? I'm, I have a guess, but... Very, very badly. She's managed to achieve the seemingly impossible by uniting Remainer and Brexiteer MPs against what she said. I mean, she was basically telling the voting public that it's not my fault, it's Parliament's fault, it's the MPs. Those MPs are trying to defy what you want. I am trying my best here to get this deal over the line, to deliver on the result of the referendum, but they won't let me. Um... And I got a message uh, last night from a a, a Labour MP uh, which pretty much summed up the mood. Pardon my... Well, I'll I'll, I'll bleep the swear word out. He said, I thought her speech tonight was an effing disgrace and a licence for every right-wing scumbag in the country to go after MPs. Unlike me, she's never had to say to a bloke installing a panic button in the house needs to be a bit higher, mate, so the kids can't reach it. I mean, that... that um, pretty much sums up. I mean, I asked a cabinet minister as well. You know, I, I said, has she completely lost her mind? And he said, "Well, it seems like it." Um, he says the pressure is obviously getting to her, but when you're in her position, you can't allow that to happen. Um, it just seemed like an angry, knee-jerk response to the fact that she's not been able to get her way. She can see no other way out of it, so she's just coming out, lashing it everyone in sight or every MP in sight certainly and um, yeah I thought it was a pretty a pretty low moment in her in her whole premiership really you know it was just I thought it was conduct unbecoming of someone 
and, and have possession. And of course, this comes at a time when MPs are facing very real threats to their, their safety. I mean, I mean, what kind of things are they having to, to do at the moment to just keep keep safe? Because it's an incredibly tense atmosphere. Oh, it's, I mean, yeah, I, I went out at lunchtime there from Parliament and um, I, I couldn't really believe what I was seeing. There's so many protesters outside, primarily leave voting and uh, protesters, basically with almost Trumpian messages of sort of clean out the stables, sort of drain the swamp, drain the swamp type of language. You know, it's very much this belief that Parliament is trying to block the will of the people. Um, and it's a, it's tense. You can sense that there's something in the air, you know. And we did a story last night. Uh, Lindsay Hoyle, who's the Deputy Speaker, he sent an email out to all MPs yesterday saying... Um, uh, one, you know, he said, I've never experienced anything like this in my life as a politician, he said, but, you know, be advised that Parliament is doing all it can to keep you safe. Um, and one of the things that he said that they were doing was laying on cabs, black cabs, outside Parliament and suggesting that they share, MPs share black cabs home um, for safety reasons, you know, basically telling them it's not safe for you to walk the streets because you're a target. I mean... Is that really the type of country that we want to live in? You know, we're politicians who, I mean, I genuinely do think are doing their best in an absolutely impossible situation. I mean, it's almost like, to me, voters have given uh, MPs, uh, I'm going to swear here, a shit omelette and said, (coughs) make that taste of caviar, please. You know, it is very difficult. They're trying their best to make it taste like caviar, but at the same time... You know, they've got a responsibility to their constituents and to their own consciences um, to vote how they see fit. And that is a parliamentary democracy. That is what our political system is all about. I mean, do we really want to tear all that down? For for what? I don't know. Um, but it's, um, it's, a, it's a really grim state of affairs. Hello, it's Matt here with a message from Politics Home's central lobby team. Are you looking to engage with the most influential people in UK politics and ensure your message resonates with politicians, policymakers and national press? You can do so by becoming a Politics Home member. Politics Home members have the opportunity to publish interviews, op-eds and press releases which are promoted across our site, email bulletins and social media and managed by our team of consultants. To see how Politics Home can help your organisation engage with parliamentarians, or, if you're an MP or peer who'd like to write an article for Politics Home, please drop us an email at centrallobby, all one word, centrallobby at politicshome.com. Thanks. Zooming out a little bit to the, to the kind of politics of this in terms of getting the Brexit deal through, has, has the Prime Minister kind of shot herself in the foot by coming out and giving this speech? Is there a sense that people who may have backed her yeah. next week are now you know, think, well, what's the point? Yeah, definitely. I mean, people are pointing to the one bellwether MP almost is Lisa Nandy, Labour MP, um, Northern constituency, leave voting area. She's absolutely the type of MP that Theresa May must win over in order to um, get her deal passed. You know, if if anyone is going to vote for it, if any Labour MP is going to vote for it, it would be Lisa Nandy, although she supported Remain in the referendum, I believe. But she came out last night and basically said that was an absolutely despicable... I've not got the tweet in front of me, but she was basically saying that was an absolutely despicable speech. 
uh, and leaving no one in any doubt that she will not vote for it. So if, she's, if she can't even get Lisa and Andy on board, then she's got absolutely zero chance. So it's, it's, it's complete miscalculation. Um, I don't know who wrote the speech for her, uh, but it was just a terrible idea, and it has backfired badly. Even I mean, this is um, anecdotal evidence. You have to take them at their word, but there's been a few Tory MPs out and about on the broadcasters today saying that they've spoken to colleagues who had been planning to vote for the deal and on the back of last night have decided not to. They're so angry with the Prime Minister yeah. trying to shovel all the blame onto them and wash your hands of the whole process. So, uh, yeah, it was just another misstep by the Prime Minister to add to a whole list of others. And she was likened to Donald Trump as well, which I don't think, as you said, is going to be a highlight of her career either. <laughs> no, not quite, not quite the James Bond comparison, <laughs> no. that one, is it? Um, <laughs> Of course, Jeremy Corbyn um, fortunately managed to do his bit for cross-party consensus building uh, <laughs> last night when he went for talks on, on Brexit with other party leaders. Um, what happened there, Kevin? Yeah, so Theresa May had said, right, OK, I'll have a meeting with the Westminster party leaders, including Jeremy Corbyn, uh, in number 10, about 6 o'clock last night. So Jeremy Corbyn turns up and discovers that Chuka Muna, who is not leader but spokesperson for the independent group, um, was also there along with Ian Blackford from the SNP, Liz Sabo Robert from Plaid, um, Vince Cable, and Caroline Lucas. Mm. Um, so Jeremy, you know, takes one look at Chuka Muna being there. Chuka Muna, obviously, who left the Labour Party about a month ago to join this independent group, and turned on his heels and left. Um, much to the astonishment of everyone else who was there. Uh, now, Labour put out a line explaining this away by saying, oh, well, it was um, the uh, details of the meeting weren't what we'd been led to believe. Basically, they'd been lied to. They hadn't been told that um, Chuka was going to be there. So Jeremy was perfectly entitled to behave the way he did. But, you know, I just thought, in the circumstances where... And Jeremy himself has described it as a national crisis. He has also called for consensus and for MPs across the political spectrum to come together and try to find a way through this mess. And, you know, he can't even sit in a room with um, Chukamuna. I mean, you know, this is a guy who has built a lot of his political reputation on dialogue, on being willing to speak to people who uh, he doesn't necessarily agree with and yet he can't sit down and speak with a guy who up until six weeks ago was a member of his own party. I mean, it was just it was absolutely easy, extraordinary. Um, scoring points for Chuka really, as well today. Saw him briefly um, appear on Good Morning Britain. Or, uh, and he, you know, just kind of stand there like, well, you know, it was juvenile, but I don't. I want to get to the important issues of the day, you know? It's the first like, time I'm the one thinking about the national interest it's, here. It's, yeah, it's the first time the independent group have actually been in, in the news for a few weeks, so I suppose, you know, <laughs> every cloud is a silver lining for so, them. So this was an absolute gift to them, because they got to seem like the, the grown-ups in this exactly. situation. Jeremy Corbyn looks uh, slightly uh, petulant, some might say. Just slightly, yeah. I think that's. I think you've been pretty kind to him there. Yeah, it was. Um, I think it was a. I mean, again, it probably plays quite well with Jeremy's base. You know, I've seen Len McCluskey's come out tweeting today, basically saying, "Well, you're quite right. You should not sit down with traitors." And it's like, guys, take a step back, yeah. look at the bigger picture. The country is aflame, really. <laughs> the fact that Jeremy has a beef with Chuka Muna 
isn't really the point at issue here. You know, there are bigger issues at stake. Can we not focus on that? We can deal with your thing at a later date once we've got Brexit done. You know, let's just let's not get sidetracked here. Um, speaking of Labour, uh, where is the party currently at with a second referendum? Because, of course, a few weeks back we were kind of led to believe that was going to be the, the big focus of Labour's Brexit strategy now, having failed to oust Theresa May in a general election, her, her deal had been defeated. Um, does it still look like Labour's going to kind of go, go down that route? That's a, a good <laughs> question. Um, so, obviously, uh, Jamie Corbyn and Keir Starmer in Brussels today, kind of looking at how they can maybe wangle together a, a Brexit, kind of led by... Uh, Labour, uh, but Jeremy Corbyn did just kind of say again today that kind of at the end of negotiations, whether that means at the end of securing a deal or in the future relationship, not quite sure, but um, yeah, kind of said that he would, well, they would be putting a, what is it, a is it confirmatory... confirmatory ballot back to the back to the people. Aye, it would be a, it'd be a referendum on a deal, on the deal. But they won't say it would definitely be on Theresa May's deal. Um, exactly. It could be on Labour's deal, which presumably would mean Labour would then have to, uh, if there was a referendum, they'd have to back Brexit, because it's their deal. They can't campaign against their own deal. Mm. But there's not even a guarantee that Remain would be an option. I think it's almost, I think, basically what Jeremy, if he was really, really pushed into a second referendum, it would be a choice between... Labour's deal, whatever that is, against no deal, I think Remain would not be an option, which, uh, you know, is one way of approaching it, but it would certainly um, split split the Labour Party. It's looking like if we do get that third meaningful vote, uh, meaningful vote next week, we're going to see the Kyle Wilson amendment brought forward. Um, this is a backbench Labour bid to secure, like you say, a confirmatory vote mm. on, uh, on, on Brexit. Um, is it looking likely that, that Jeremy Corbyn's going to whip his MPs to, to back that? And kind of what are the risks for him if he does? Uh, I th- well, it's difficult to say. At the moment, probably yes, they probably would. Um, the, the, the problem there that they've got, though, is that um, they could be viewed, uh, rightly or wrongly, by Labour voters who voted to leave as trying to obstruct Brexit. I mean, that's the difficulty that Labour have got, and I've got some sympathy with them, is that a lot of Labour voters did vote to leave. And they can't afford to annoy those voters. But at the same time, most Labour voters voted to remain. And they can't afford to annoy them either. So it's a devilishly tricky um, balancing act that they've got to try and keep everyone happy. Which they've managed to do just about uh, up until now. But uh, it feels as though event, you know, they're either going to have to jump one way or the other. I think the way, as I said earlier, I think the way they're trying to do it is, yeah, we'll have a second referendum, but remain won't be an option which, as I say, is going to really, really annoy Remain Labour people. Um, but yeah, I think... Uh, but every time you hear them talk now, a referendum is like way, way down the list of priorities. Mm-hmm. They want to pass their... Get rid of May's deal, pass their deal, have a general election. It's you know? not really brought up unless somebody specifically asks, um, you know, are you still backing a second referendum? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When, once we've agreed yeah. this or once put we've it, got put it... Put it this way, there's a march on Saturday, a People's Vote march on Saturday. Tom Watson may, not definitely, he may be on it. Jeremy Corbyn will be nowhere near it. You can absolutely bet your life on that. So I think that 
that pretty much tells you where Jeremy stands as far as a second referendum is concerned. Um, I'm going to put you both on the spot now, guys, and oh, no. ask uh, this time next week, <laughs> where will we be in the rubble? Thursday afternoon. <laughs> this time next week, Thursday afternoon. So we'll there'll, just be li- there'll be another summit. There'll be an emergency summit probably going on, uh, looking at whether Britain should get an extension. We will have voted, we, Parliament will have voted down Theresa May's deal again, I think. And uh, we could be looking at a situation where Parliament has at last taken control of the process and is trying to find a plan which would command a majority in Parliament to then take to Brussels and say, look, give us this and we will leave. Um, as I said earlier, that to me would make Theresa May's position untenable. So whether she would still be Prime Minister or whether she might have announced her planned departure, a departure date maybe this time next week, I think there's a reasonable chance of that as well. So, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a rambling answer, but I think roughly that's where we might be. So obviously that'll be completely wrong and it'll we'll be somewhere else entirely. Anahita, <laughs> uh, any, uh, any dissent from that official line from, uh, from our editor there? I do agree that I don't think a meaningful vote 3.8 is going to be um, a landslide victory <laughs> or indeed a victory at all. Um, whether no deal will actually complete... I think there's going to be arguments about no deal next week. I, th- I don't know. I think um, Theresa May has said that she's not going to support an extension past 30th of June, so if the deal doesn't go through... I'm going to say hell-breaking loose in some sort of capacity. <laughs> Will we be heading for no deal, do you think? That's, I, mean, I think that's a good, I that's think that's a good I chance. Think could, that's, what, that's what I mean, is if the deal doesn't go through, but Theresa May is saying, if, if the EU say you can have an extension on the basis that the deal does go through, then if it doesn't go through, <laughs> just to confuse everyone listening right now, then Theresa May probably isn't going to want to... I can't see her hanging up her... Her shoes, is that an expression? Hanging up something. Why not? It is now. <laughs> Hanging up it her is shoes now. and being like, okay, guys, I tried. I'm going to Hawaii. Bye. So lo- lots of rows. Hell breaking loose. Yeah. Just another normal week in British politics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. J- just to say, if um, we do go for, for no deal, obviously, this podcast will continue, even if we have to shout loudly from the top of a hill so you can hear <laughs> us because there's, there's no internet or speakers anymore. Um We've got a couple of listeners' questions now. Um, one, I, I, I guess it's a question, it's more a kind of cry of despair from Poppy Bullard, who says, my questions are what and also why. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've covered both of those in some depth. Yeah, what, um, what is chaos? <laughs> why? Because people voted for Britain to leave the EU. So that is... Um, Sadly, the the upshot is is chaos, at least for now. There you go. Don't don't uh, don't ever say we don't uh, get back to you guys. Um, <laughs> this one is from probably someone with my favourite Twitter bio ever. This is from Jacobs <laughs> Jacobs Crackers Six. <laughs> and not um, not not to be confused with Jacobs Crackers Five. <laughs> all the other all the other five were taken. <laughs> um, I'll have to settle for six. And, and Jacobs Crackers Six. I'll just say their bio reads. <laughs> Sorry, I'm really struggling through this one. 
Their bio reads, sailing the sea of crazy on a cream cracker of sanity, <laughs> uh, which I think might be our new podcast uh, strap line. Um, they ask, uh, why is Brexit still being done to us when polls show the majority don't want it? I mean, that's obviously a fairly contentious Yeah, I mean, Brexit means Brexit. Come on, guys. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I've not really seen any poll. The poll suggests to me that things haven't... Opinion, it depends what polls you're looking at, I suppose, but opinion hasn't really massively shifted one way or another. I think most polls now probably do show that Remain is in the lead, but Remain was in the lead right up until the, the referendum and we still voted to leave. So, uh, no, though, the reason is you can't overturn a democratic vote on the basis of opinion polls. There need to be another vote to overturn it, and we're nowhere near that yet. What? Sorry, sorry, Jacob's crack is six. <laughs> What I adding polls into the mix? Um, did everyone see the delightful Sky News poll about how me- <laughs> how much of the population thinks that Brexit is a national humiliation? Is it ni- is it ninety percent? It was ninety percent believe it. Is that was a just the cabinet. <laughs> I, w- I, w- I want to know what the other ten percent think. The other ten percent think everything's great. Well, I, want, I want I want to paint it what they're on. Apparently, it was only seven percent, and I don't know what, what, where the other three percent are. Don't know. They just don't, don't know. know. They've not, left. They're not. They're not dealing with it. Oh blimey! It's all going so so well. Um, I'm going to ask you for the uh, increasingly redundant weirdest <laughs> stories of the week. Um, Kevin, what have you gone for this week? Uh, well, this is one that hasn't actually been reported anywhere. Um, it just struck me as, as weird. I did an interview this week with an MP called Darren Jones. He's a Labour MP, Bristol West Labour MP, um, and he got he was elected in 2017. And he told me that uh, he still hasn't spoken to Jeremy Corbyn. Well, which I thought was pretty weird. And he thinks it's weird. But Jeremy Corbyn has made an absolutely no attempt to contact him, even though he, he was elected two years ago and he's uh, in his party. Uh, he's just <laughs> never spoken to him. He says he got a letter, which was like a round-robin letter of congratulations. Obviously, him and everyone else that got elected in 2017 got one. But there's been no um, phone call, knock at the door, invitation round to Jeremy's office for a cup of tea, and some some of his homemade jam, just nothing. Um, which struck me as weird. That's properly weird. To be fair, he's been busy not sitting down with other MPs from, from other parties <laughs> Actually, as well. Yeah. So you know, yeah. Perhaps he saw Darren Jones speaking to Chukamuna once. And thought <laughs> he's dead to me. He's Bad obviously egg. a bit of a wrong and so I'm going to give him a body spell. Um, Anahita, any any uh, weird stories that have jumped out at you in this weird weird week? So, yes. I will, I can uh, enlighten you with, um, again, going across the English Channel, um, a French minister decided to name her cat Brexit. Okay. Um, Yes, for the reason that she's found her her delightful, fluffy friend uh, to be quite an indecisive one. (laughs) So apparently every time... Cats are very indecisive. (laughs) Every time um, this cat, Brexit, when every time Brexit wants to, uh, apparently meows in the morning really loudly because she wants to wants to go outside, but then she'll open the door and Brexit won't, won't leave. So, oh, you can make, <laughs> make what you will of that. Um, but also, just on a happy note, mm. it's quite a uh, surprise probably to everyone in the Brexit bubble at the moment, but... Um, Brightons are actually hitting 15th in the world on the UN's happiness list. Who are? Yeah, we, we are. 
Britons. UK. Brighton. Oh, I thought you meant Brighton. Britain. Britain. Isn't that how you say no, it? No, have, have you been getting that wrong? British oh, you've been saying that all your life. British people. Yeah, oh, Britons. 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 It's not Brighton. No, I thought you meant people from Brighton. Brighton's a place <laughs> in the south coast. Britain. I'm going to say I have a weird accent. That's okay. That's okay. We're, we're all learning. <laughs> Hang on. Can I just say my weirdest story of the week is that Anahita pronounces Britons Britons. I thought. Oh my god. Okay. You can cut that out of this because. No, no, what, you, no, you can't. Oh, superb, superb. So, so. Britain so going back to the are the fifteenth happiest people in the world. They are. Oh, we're, oh, up, oh, 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 we're up fourth. Of fifteen. We're up four spaces. No, no, out of like every country in the world. Out so of I don't know what's that about forty-six countries. I don't know, but um, you know that is a lot. <laughs> we're quite high up. So there, yeah. It's quite high up. So Maybe we're just really drunk. Maybe we're just you know thinking way too much about Brexit, but actually in our everyday lives, you know, it's not bad. Weather's all well. Well, let's wait till mm, March is right. out of the way and see where we are. Yeah, I've got <laughs> my advice. Plummeting straight down those rankings come <laughs> March the 30th. Um, and uh, on that cheerful note, uh, that, that staring vision of Brighton, um, I w- <laughs> uh, that is all we've got time for this week. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. And uh, if you want, you can sign up for our free seven-day-a-week breakfast briefing by going to politicshome.com slash register. You'll get all the day's stories in your inbox every morning. And uh, until next week, have a great one, guys. (laughs) 